We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my fabulous friend and your beautiful soul. If you've spent any time with me before, you've probably hear, heard me share one of my very favorite quotes ever from P.R. Telhar de Chardin. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. We are eternal souls and an important aspect of the universe here on Earth, having an experience of separation, duality, creation, and our own personal experience of reality. This, of course, is an overgeneralization, but part and parcel of this reality seems to inevitably include loss, grief, sometimes the death of someone we hold dear, as well as our own transition. Today, I'm so blessed to be having a conversation with the intention to provide you with hope, solace, comfort, and clarity with the authors of a book called Beyond Ever After, a heart-to-heart -heart journey through death and the afterlife. I'm so honored to be able to be spending time with these amazing women and sharing them with you. We're here with Catherine Weisenberg and Jocelyn Montanero. Catherine Weisenberg has a unique ability to communicate and dialogue with God, coma patients, and those that have transitioned to the other side of the veil. Catherine writes these conversations longhand as they occur and refers to them as writings. Although intimate to the recipient, the writings are beautiful in their imagery and metaphor, often involving themes of self-growth, interpersonal relationships, life challenges, as well as very personal information from the departed. She's grateful to serve others by facilitating the transmission of spirit, wisdom, and healing energy. We're also here with Jocelyn Montanero. Jocelyn was educated on the East Coast and in Europe. She has a bachelor's degree in international studies and a law degree. For many years, Jocelyn was a lawyer, working with divorcing couples, criminal defendants, and general litigation. She also helped her husband, Kevin, with his very successful legal mediation practice. Jocelyn's an avid reader, but never imagined becoming an author. With some surprise and apprehension, as a selected messenger, she welcomes the reader into the story of her life just before and after her husband of 25 years' death. Jocelyn recognizes the responsibility she has in sharing her story of love beyond ever after. So thank you, Kathleen, Catherine and Jocelyn, for saying yes to this conversation today. Thank you for having us. So I would just like to start with a little bit of your backstory and how this book came into being. Well, that's just such a, a broad question. Um, it really is. So I'd like to hear specific about. I'll tell you how I met Catherine and how this came to be. So my sister had known Catherine for years. They, they've been friends. Um, we all live in Santa Barbara, and um, uh, my sister had had uh, many sessions with Catherine, which where she had gotten great comfort and insight. And when my husband Kevin was in a coma, falling following surgery to remove a brain tumor, my sister kept encouraging me to have a session with Catherine because Catherine can have dialogues with God, the deceased, and people in comas. And being a skeptic, as you, um, I'm a lawyer by training, and um, and I wasn't a believer in 
um, any higher power. I didn't want to do it, and I didn't even think that Catherine could do it. Um, but, you know, after almost a month in a coma, I figured, what do I have to lose? And so I started, um, I set up a phone session with Catherine. She was in Washington. I was at UCLA. I went to the hotel to get on the landline, and we started a conversation. And um, she connected, as she can tell you about. And um, I was able to connect with uh, my husband, who'd been in a coma for almost a month. Yeah, I read I your miss- book. It, it was amazing. Um how how she was able to translate and uh, tune into him while he was in a coma. So, Catherine, do you want to talk a little bit about um, your experience of connecting with Jocelyn? So, um, as Jocelyn said, we um, her sister is a friend of mine, my realtor, and I'd done a lot of sessions for her. And Jocelyn was a complete skeptic, didn't believe it, um, thought it was kind of crazy town. Um, which I appreciate it sounds like unless you're doing it. And um, so for me, uh, I was on vacation in Washington State. We connected over the telephone and, um, uh, you know, right away, Kevin was available. Uh, I felt his energy, which I can translate into prose. And, um, you know, Jocelyn, uh, Vicky had already primed me and said, you know, my sister (laughs) He doesn't really believe any of this, but, you know, thanks for uh, doing this. So uh, anyway, um, you know, uh, I also am a prayer chaplain, and so I offered to pray with her, and she's like, oh, no, I don't want to do any of that, you know, because if God's listening, you know, (laughs) something, Mm -hmm. my husband would not be in this situation. So um, so, Mm -hmm. uh, as always the case, um, he was readily available, and, um you know, Jocelyn being a journey, um, uh, ask a test question because she, she needed proof it was really him. And she can tell you about that aspect of the conversation if you'd like. But, um, yeah. Yeah. So you were skeptical, Jocelyn, and I, I certainly understand that. So what started to open your mind to the possibility that this was something real happening? Well, the, when the conversation, um, when I say conversation, when the dialogue started, which was, you know, all facilitated through Catherine. So when I say Kevin said this or Kev, I said that, it's all going through Catherine. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he, she said some general things about my kids and and um, the things that my sister could have told her. And so I, I asked her. I thought I'd ask kind of a test question. So I asked Kevin what was the last thing he remembered. And he told me the last thing he remembered was getting wheeled into the surgery and reaching up and taking um, the surgeon's hand and saying, thank you for doing this, Linda. Linda, Dr. Linda Liao was the name of the surgeon. And so, and I just, in that moment, I knew it was Kevin because you know how they always come out to tell you how the operation went. Sure. And they, they came out and they said, you know, everything was fine. Um, but before I get into details, I just have to tell you, you know, your husband is such a nice man. As we're wheeling him in, he reaches up and grabs my hand and says, thank you for doing this, Linda. And the only two people that heard it were me and my, my, my two kids. And I didn't repeat it to anyone because half an hour later, an artery tore in his head in the recovery room and everything went, you know, horribly south. And I just never thought about it because there was more important things in my mind. And, but when he relayed that that was the last thing he remembered, I knew I was talking to him because there's no way Catherine could have known that. And then he went on to talk about 
the music very specific, the music we listened to on the drive down and the things we talked about the evening before. And so I, I knew it was him. And in all the writings I've had since then, it's beyond a shadow of a doubt him. So, yeah, you you are an attorney. You are kind of a left brain person. You were very skeptical. Has this provided you with a sense of solace or hope? What has been your um, experience of um, being a participant in these writings with Catherine? Well, that would take much longer than your radio show. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, the experience I, I can't. The experience is if you haven't had it, you can't believe it and you can't fathom it until you've had it. And then it feels like the most natural thing in the world. Like, oh, why can't you have this? You know, and um, but I just felt so blessed that I got singled out because Catherine is very off the grid, as she'll tell you. And if if someone comes to her, she thinks that God has arranged it. And so I just felt really blessed that for some reason I was put in her universe and able to have this opportunity. And also more than that, through all the, you know, conversations we've had, you know, because I know that he's not really gone. I mean, while he's not here with me in the physical sense, he's not really gone. I don't feel the loss, I think, as keenly as I I would have otherwise, because I know he's still here with me. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, you know, I don't have the fear of death that I had before because I know that it's not an ending and that it's it's not a failure. Kevin says that in our book that death isn't a failure and I think everybody thinks that. Yes. You know, something's wrong when someone's died. You know, you know, things it's not it's not how it's supposed to be even though everyone knows everybody dies when it happens it's a tragedy. It's not just looked at as something that is normal. Right. And um and I don't worry about it like I would have before and I and I don't sweat the small stuff, you know, and I know I'm never really alone. So even when I'm lonely, I I know I'm not really alone. Mm, what a gift. That is that is so uh, that's priceless. And I appreciate you sharing that because I think that's the truth. Death is not a failure and it's not permanent. It's perfectly natural. And you often hear people say, well, why do the good die young and the old people get to, you know, mean people get to live on? It's it's not a punishment and reward. Life isn't a reward. Death isn't a punishment. So I love you putting that into perspective for us. Well, and Kevin and Kevin says that in the book. And it's so true because his death felt like a punishment to me. Mm-hmm. I felt like not only had the universe failed, but I'd failed, you know, and, and I, in my head thought, okay, what have I done to deserve this? You know, me, 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 Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. You know? <laughs> and, it, and it's, you know, and, and Kevin would say, look, it's not a punishment to you, you know, get, you know, don't, it's not, that's a selfish way to look at it. It's not a punishment to you. It's not a punishment to anybody, but you feel like that because, you know, it's, it's not how you want things to be. Yeah, you take it very personally, and that's understandable. Yeah, You wonder what you could have done to do something different, and maybe if you had been a different kind of person or lived a different kind of life or believed in something different or not been callous to that particular person, that maybe things wouldn't have turned out the way they had. And so so you have this horrible guilt associated with the whole thing, too. It's terrible. Yeah, it's a tough it's a tough process. And so I just really want to commend you, Jocelyn and Catherine, for going through the process and writing this book, because I think it can give a lot of people a lot of hope and um, solace and comfort. And it may make you cry. It did me. But it certainly opens you up to, to extreme feelings on all ends of the spectrum. And I think that's a very good thing. Can you share a little bit about what it's like for you to do what you do? You say it's a gift. 
and um, you just step into the stream of consciousness. What is this experience like for you when you're doing what you call your God writings? Well, for me, what um, what the experience is, is much like what we're doing now, having a conversation. Um, but so I don't have some magical woo-woo process. It's not like I have to close my eyes or do anything special. I believe that we're always in this stream, this energy field of love. And for whatever reason, I can just put my hand or antenna or whatever. But basically, I think, Tammy, I step out of the way. I I don't have an agenda. Um, I say this is not my product, meaning, you know, when I, I know that this is always exactly what the person needs and I and I'm not doing it uh, in a way with an agenda. It's not production oriented. So for me, it just feels like being just being present and open. And um, and of course, um it's wonderful to see people, um, you know, transform before my very eyes. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 um, it's a very kind of sacred thing, but it feels very normal, like Jocelyn said. So I really don't know how this particularly works because I only know for the last 32 years it's been working. It's helped a lot of people. Um, but basically, I think I just what I do is I write down not because it's and people go, oh, you automatically write. But no, I just write really fast. So we can have a written record um, and the client can have a written record of the dialogue because it's so much, uh, so much uh, information and usually an hour long or, you know, whatever. So um, and beautiful prose, poetic, yes. Um, yes. beautiful imagery that gets you places that just talk therapy or talking might not, but gives you an image. Um, I just had a, a phone call with a client yesterday, and it was all about the barn and the bull, and the bull keeps producing manure. I mean, but the, it's kind of like how how much do you want to shovel this? You know, here's your opportunity to make a life change, you know. Yes, and I, I had that experience. And, and reading this um, book, there were periods of time that I really wanted to just take my time with it because it is a lot and definitely mind expanding, heart opening, really beautiful, beautiful contents. And I recommend it to anybody who wants to um, go a little higher in their ability to see clearly and their altitude and um, have that experience of great faith. So um, Catherine, how do you have any suggestions for people to be able to connect with the divine themselves, especially if they're going through any experiences of loss or grief or hurt or heartache themselves? Well, I'd like to say that there's the five easy steps do this. And, you know, um, but what I think is one of the main opening corridors to having the experience well, first, I would say that we are de- designed, innately designed for connection and love of all sorts with people in this world and beyond. All right. So we are that's our birthright. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of us don't 
realize that. But so that even if you lose someone, they are present and alive in your heart. That doesn't close with the passing of the person. But the other thing is, I think, believing that there is this possibility. And also, when you have direct experiences, wondrous, um, seemingly out of the blue, um, you don't say, oh, I imagined that, or that was just a coincidence, or I'm just imagining things, that you allow yourself, if you feel the person you love with you, if you smell grandma's perfume, if if um, you find something under a bed where you've looked 400, you know, cleaned several times, and it's a special uh, something, a coin or a little note card from that person, believe that they are reaching out, they're, they're communicating with you. So I say instead of, you know, we live our lives and we, we're just so kind of driven and we, we kind of have our blinders on to, you know, to, to, to this other ethereal expansive world because we're just dealing with, uh, you know, getting my, house cleaned and getting, you know, doing the things that life requires of us. And Mm -hmm. so I would encourage your listeners to hold more loosely the soft gaze. Mm. Believe that there can be and there is more than what I can see, feel, touch with just my senses. Although acknowledging that when the loved ones come, they do come through the senses, through a sense of smell. Or you see like did I just see somebody outside in the corner of my eye? You know, was mm-hmm. that, you know, and, and so hold a more, a more open palm uh, approach to reality because wonder and grace are always present. And, but sometimes they're off on the perimeters and yes. hard to see when we're so narrowly focused on what we, um, what we're doing or what we desire or we got to have or whatever those things are. Um, and also I would say that um, allowing ourselves to feel that connection, even in times of loss where you're full of grief, it's kind of like you're bubble wrapped, you know, you wrap yourself in bubble wrap because everything's raw and painful. And, and when you, that love sometimes breaks through. They're trying to break through. The the loved ones oftentimes are trying to penetrate that to say, hey, I'm okay. I'm with you. Um, so, and, and there's a natural flow to grief and loss, you know, and it's very intimate and personal. And so trusting yourself and, and not, I mean, I've had people come through that have been gone for 30 years. So there's no timeline. And people say, well, why didn't, you know, my dad died 10 years ago and I've heard nothing. I've felt nothing. But then as you talk to them a little bit more, oh, oh, yeah, there was this time. Right. So, so opening ourselves to that and letting ourselves have that experience and not judge ourselves. Mm, that's the more awesome. you open, really the good more. Stuff. Yeah. wider you are for things to come in. I think. Right. I love the way you're expressing that. So, Jocelyn, do you still connect with Kevin through Catherine, or have you been able to connect with him on your own now? You know, I haven't had a writing in a while. I, I The last one I got was a an unsolicited birthday message. Um, sometimes 
actually kind of often um, he'll come to Catherine. There's actually two of those in the book, one when he was in hospice and one after he died for my birthday, and um, send an unsolicited message. So that's the last one I got on my birthday. Um, but um, as you read in the book, I get signs from him all the time, as Catherine was talking about. Um, and, um, for example, you know, squirrel is often in them. And um, or I'm driving in the car and I'm thinking about him and I have the radio on and brown eyed girl comes on, which is a song he always attributed to me or, you know, just all these little things all the time that let me know that he's around me. He's 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 always with me. And it's kind of funny the way he'll, you know, just things will pop up that and often they're, you know, humorous things that just let me know that he's right there. Oh, I like hearing that. So. Do you feel the grief ever goes away or does it change? Does it dissipate? How are you feeling? Because this happened in, was it 2013? Yes, it's, it's, it's about almost six and a half years ago. It was in September in 2013. And, you know, the way it, I mean, it, I, I remember everyone said, it'll get better, it'll get better. And I thought, this will never get better. It'll never get better. And, you know, and they time will heal. And, and in a sense, that's true because it's like, a, a big cut that you get in heels that leaves a really ugly scar. Right. You know, the cut is gone, but the scar is there, you know, or the nail in the post. You take the nail out, but the hole is still there. And and so, you know, it's it's like it's like that. It's, mm-hmm. it's never really gone because I, I still miss him. And I and when I have these little moments, you know, I have a new granddaughter and I and, and she looks so much like Kevin's baby pictures and I just think how much he would have enjoyed this because when we had young kids and we would take them to his grandparents and they would enjoy them we would talk about how fun it would be when we were at this stage and we would have our kids bring their grandkids and so there's so many little things that happen every day that I think God he I really wish he was here for this you know mm-hmm. and even though I know he's hovering around it's not it's not the same as having them right there with you right, right. yeah that can't be denied for sure so um, so how can people get in touch with you guys or get a copy of your book, Beyond Ever After? So uh, the book's available on Amazon, um, both as an e-book and a um, paperback. Um, and we have a website, beyondeverafter.com, uh, where people can reach out and connect with us. And we also on our website, because we've been just had so many readers reach out to us and say that telling us their experiences, you know, it, and that was one of our goals in writing the book too. This is such a, taboo kind of topic sometimes you know when someone dies people don't know what to say um and people are having these intimate experiences so we also have a submit your story option if people want to share with us their um their story of feeling their loved one near them Uh, a lot of people say it's given them it's helped their um, fear of death. We do a lot of speaking events and people come up afterwards and say, this is how I hoped it would be. <laughs> so uh-huh. relieved, you know, <laughs> this is kind of what I hoped had happened, but. So. <laughs> yeah, I was that. And I felt like that. Like I had a sense of it. I kind of believed it, but to read 
books, to pick up books like yours, to have it be confirmed. My intuition's being confirmed repeatedly here that there's much more going on than meets the eye and that uh, life is eternal, although not life in our bodies. It continues. And it's it's uh, pretty amazing from what I understand and from what you share. It's pretty amazing what happens after we drop our physical form. Yes. And it's very individualized, you know. Yes. Uh, it's not a one size fits all eternity, you know, it's, yes. it's just like life. It's very individual. Yeah. What we make it. Souls go on. Well, and I'm extremely grateful that you both said yes to a second conscious conversation with me next week, because there's still a lot of questions that I want to go over and a lot of content that I want to explore with you. And so um, we just have a couple of minutes left here and you kind of already touched on this, but I don't know if you might want to add anything else to it. Is there uh, a particular message or an intention or um, something you hope your readers uh, receive by virtue of participating in uh, reading your book? I would say, uh, to trust their own direct experience and trust their love, the love that they have for people who have passed on. That loving connection is never extinguished. Death can't take that from us. Nothing can take that from us. Mm -hmm. And to take some solace and comfort in that and know that that person still dwells in your heart. They may be physically gone, but they are still with you and that love is as vibrant and real as it ever was. Mm, I love that. So I just want to thank both of you from the bottom of my heart for writing this book, for coming on here and saying yes to this conversation and for saying yes to a conversation uh, next week as well. And to my listeners, thank you so much for being part of the energy of journey to center and empower radio. And if you have any fear about, uh, death or if you've lost anyone that you love i definitely recommend you picking up this book on amazon beyond ever after a heart-to-heart journey through death and the afterlife it will it will open your mind a little wider and your heart a little wider and go a little deeper in that sense and experience of eternal everlasting and unfathomable love so god bless you take good gentle care of yourself and let's continue to ascend together as spiritual rock climbers going higher and higher in our ability to love. So God bless you. Take good, gentle care of yourself. Onward and upward. Bye for now.